Pastor Humphrey in the message that he brought in the morning service. There's a, there's a point that I, will, I surely should make reference to as, as we go through this, this message. And then, <clears throat> well, as I've announced, we'll look, be looking at sanctification through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three persons of the Trinity. And then I was mindful when we sang that first hymn, Give Me My Heart, that each one of the three stanzas, it says, Give me, my, give me thy heart, says the Father. Give me thy heart, says the Savior. Give, my, give me my heart, says the Spirit. So, I really think God has something for us this afternoon that he wants to know and understand about the relationship that the three persons of the Trinity have within themselves. I'll try to touch on that somewhat, but how that this relates to us as, as believers. <clears throat> so, with that in mind, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. <clears throat> the Bible says, Elect according to the foreknowledge... Whoops. Start again. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Let's go to the Lord and then we'll, we'll continue. Wonderful God, we thank you for the, <clears throat> the precious, precious time that we can have to be before you today. Truly sweet to be in your house with these, my brothers. Preaching from your word, your holy word, given by God for the instruction and maintenance of, of uh, we who believe and also the, uh, the truth that the lost need, everything there that they need to have a relationship with you, great God, and only. I pray, Lord, that uh, you'd hold uh, me up, give attention to the hearers, Lord, that we could draw some truth from this, that we can use it in our daily life. In Christ's name I pray, <clears throat> amen. What we're going to be looking at is, the, the one truth I want to get across is that the three persons of the Trinity, Other Son and Holy Spirit, they're as united in their works as they are in their essence. When Jesus said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one, that is an absolute truth. John 14, verse 6, the Bible says, when Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he shall send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. That term, another comforter, is from the, the uh, Greek word alos, means another one that's exactly like. Well, how could that be? How can be the, son, the, the Son be like the Father the, the, whole, the, the Son like the Holy Spirit, because God is God. Um, the fact that God chooses to manifest himself in different ways <clears throat> for the matter of uh, us understanding more about him and the offices that he has. The, you, you can't, even as we said here, <clears throat> when we look, that we're going to be looking at some verses that's going to say specifically about the sanctification through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but don't think it's just you can't, compartmentalize and say that's all that there is. Uh, all three persons of the Trinity work in every aspect of our salvation and our, um, 
our sanctification and our glorification. God indeed is our justifier in that he removes from us the penalty for our sin. He is our sanctifier in that he uh, removes from us from the power of sin. And he is our glorifier in that one day we'll be out of this sinful body and we'll be at home with him in glory. So I suppose it would do us well to look at this term sanctification so we can understand. I know you have a good idea what we're talking about. Let's just review. Strictly speaking, the word sanctify means to purify, to consecrate, to be holy. And um, we know the verse that says, be holy as I am holy. And then Pastor Humphrey brought that, that, that very, very beautiful verse where it said, where, where, uh, in Matthew, I believe it was, where he said, be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. The standard that God has set for us for, for salvation and for his high, but for our service is also very, very high, and for our conduct, for our conversation in this life is very, very high. <clears throat> when, when he, when the Bible talks about the working of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to conform us to the image of his Son, that is the process that we're going through right now, if you're saved, <clears throat> to be all that we can be before the Lord. Um, and it would be well <laughs> that we'd cooperate him when God is trying to work in and through our life. You know, the Bible says it's possible to quench the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, it may mean that we turn a deaf ear, that we've got the spiritual blinders on and we choose to go our own way to the exclusion of where God would have us to be. Now, strictly speaking, it means to purify, consecrate, to be holy. Practically speaking, it means to be separate or to be separated. The word saint comes from the same root word as sanctification and it means separated one. So if you're a saint, you're a separated one. Separated from sin and self, and hopefully separated to God for service and worship. Now the believer in the positional sense, we have a standing as a son of God in his family. And the Bible says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is that opportunity to be a part of his forever family when we put our faith and trust in Christ. And he has separated us, he justified us at the point of salvation and our sanctification being cleansed of our, from the power of sin is an absolute. But as we go through life, we know that this sinful flesh, it picks up sin just like, just like when I go through my house and I sit down, I got a nice clean black suit on, black pair of pants and shirt on and in about two seconds I'm covered with cat hair. You just pick it up because it's there. Well, the truth is, if we aren't careful, measures of sin can be rubbed off on us as we go out and in through the world. And we need to, we be, need to participate in the process of God working to sanctify us and separate us from the power of sin, which the Bible says does so easily beset us. Now, there are two aspects of sanctification. Brother Robert Sargent puts it thusly. 
In relation to the believer, the word of God is clear that our sanctification is both absolute and eternal and progressive and internal. That's what he was just describing. Through our justification, we're set apart from the penalty of sin. Through our sanctification, we're set apart from the power of sin. When it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, then sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, God's grace is his unmerited favor in bringing us to salvation, but God's grace is also his divine enablement to live a sanctified, separated life. I remember very well when this, some of the preaching, teaching that Pastor Humphrey had brought over the years and over time was something that was, would help me to understand that I don't stand alone and I, sh- and I don't have to stand alone. Yeah. If you're part of the, f- the family of God, you know, um, you've got to stick it up for you. Uh, you know, you men that are fathers, what, what wouldn't you do to protect your wife or your, your, your family men? What would, you, what would you not do to protect your family or your, your, your children or your wife? Do anything. Because it's your right and your responsibility and out of love you would perform that. In that same way, God, he shows his love for us in being with us, come what may, even when we're falling in the face, on our face in the mud, the mire of sin, when we allow ourselves to fall into sinful activity, he's still there to pick us up as we confess our sin. He'll wash us off and set us back on the road again. Just like your moms and dads do with the kids. You know, they fall down, they get up, wash them off, away they go. Well, we can know of a certainty that, that God is ever for us, and we never need or should question that. Romans 6 verse 6 says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. It's going to be one way or the other, and unfortunately we tend to vacillate in this, in what we, we give our, our most attention to in our life. If we aren't focused upon God, uh, everything else uh, can get pretty difficult and get pretty miry when we walk off in our own strength and we walk away from the things of God. That our old man, the old sinful part of us, God says he's killed that. He killed that on the cross. He died for us that, the body that, we, that, that our body of sin might be destroyed so that we could go on and serve him in spirit and truth, in our life. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, it says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, I hope as you're going, we're going through this, you see very, very many times when speaking of these different aspects of, of our relationship with God, salvation, and so on, that, that different persons of the Trinity are held up and shown that they're actively a part of that for us, on our behalf. <clears throat> now, our positional sanctification is 100% the work of God and relates to the believer's standing. Our position 
If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. <clears throat> but the believer's progressive sanctification has to do with his state or his everyday life and his condition. We are responsible to obey the command of God to seek holiness and to <clears throat> make that the benchmark of our uh, focus in life. Um, it's like, um, suppose somebody were to give you a, a brand new house free as a gift. So you go in that house and you begin to live and uh, in and out and whatnot and in time it collects dirt and dust and cobwebs and lots of stuff, especially in my house. I tell you what, I got cobwebs you never wouldn't believe that all of a sudden they show up here in the spring. I don't know where they come from. Maybe it's because it's getting light now. I can see into the corners. <laughs> but when you get, to, as you see, when you as you see the things that are going on in your house, then you need to clean them out so your house can stay clean. Well, the, body, the Bible says that, that we become the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. We become indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It says we're the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And so he washes us, washing of regeneration, renewing the Holy Spirit, the point of salvation. But then we go out and we walk off into the world. <coughs> and our house starts to get dirty. Well, you can just let it go like sometimes I do in my place. And then you got a big job uh, coming down the line to get that house cleaned up. The same way in our spiritual walk. If we perceive the sin in our life and if we deal with it, if we, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and we can go on. <clears throat> and... And that relates to our, uh, our, our fellowship with the Lord. And we're going to talk about that. Hopefully I'll catch this as a part of uh, the, the message there from, that, that Pastor Humphrey had, uh, had for us this morning. Excuse me. It's just water. <laughs> so, we need to remember that we have that responsibility as a part of God's family, to take care of this house that he has washed spiritually and made right with him. And to get into the corners. I know Pastor Humphrey, uh, we had a lesson we did some years ago, and uh, my, uh, it was, I think it was my heart, God's, God's home, and he went through each and every room and to talk about, you know, how that Jesus was trying to work here and we needed to clean up every room, you know, and keep it clean. But then finally, in the end, there was one little closet. And that was the place where our secret sin lived. And that's where God wants us to get in that and clean that out, too. And uh, he'll help us to do that when we recognize our sin and we're... Uh, anxious to deal with it. So, sanctification through the Father. <clears throat> if you're there in Peter, you can just uh, flip ahead a few pages to Jude. 
it says there, <coughs> it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. There's what I was relating to what Pastor Humphrey brought this morning. That, that God calls us, every believer, he, he, he calls every individual, and he, he said, he used the verse, if, if I be, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. The problem with the lost is that they make the choice to not hear, that they resist God's drawing power, that as they speak to him or her, they make the choice to not hear and obey, and they resist the things of God, and that results in a hardened heart. God's word as it goes out and the, and the offer of salvation will either serve to soften the heart, to bring it to the cross, or it'll harden it, that it'll become more resistant to the things of God. Thank be to God that even, even the hardest heart, the hardest heart can be saved and can, if they're willing to hear the truth, to repent and believe. So simple. The formula of salvation, God put it in his book. Remember I used the acrostic last Sunday. Basic instructions before leaving earth. You got all you need right in this book to found a relationship with God and then to be effective in your service for him. Well, in this letter uh, of Jude, there was a warning about apostate teachers the Holy Spirit, in verse 3, reminds them of the common salvation that they share. He begins this letter by reminding them of the source and means of their salvation, God the Father himself. And it seems at least part of the Father's work in sanctification comes before the moment of salvation. And that's the believer's calling. That's the lost person's uh, calling. Thiessen defines this calling as, uh, we may define God's call as the act of grace by which he invites men to accept by faith the salvation provided by Christ. Salvation is available to all. Thiessen wrote, it is unlimited, but it is effectively limited by man's rejection of it. And that is an exact paraphrase of Romans chapter 3, verse 22, where it says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. God is no respecter of person, young and old, male, female, whatever condition of life you may find yourself. If you're willing to bow the knee and put your faith and trust in God, God will grant that gift salvation to be a permanent forever eternal possession but a gift a gift a gift for by grace are you saved through faith and not not of yourselves it is a gift of God 
how it works depending on manage your gold. But a gift to become a possession, it must be received. Remember, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. God offers that free gift. And many will reject it and turn away from it. Think on this, lost person. Think on this. If I had a million dollars, if I had a thousand, thousand dollar bills, and I had it in a box, and I showed it to you, and said, I'm going to give you this box full of a million dollars, free. No taxes, nothing. It's free. You'd be a fool to not take it. Million dollars, you can do a lot with a million dollars. You could, you could give $900,000 $900, missions and still have 100000 to go and do whatever you wanted with. Why would you say no to that treasure? It's free. It's available. It's offered. But why then do people reject the free gift of salvation, which is worth infinitely more? You can't buy your way to heaven. That million dollars won't get you one second in, in heaven. Think on the preciousness of what Jesus Christ did for you and for me in dying for our sin. <clears throat> and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That is one of the conditions that God has for us as believers. And so, again, <clears throat> Lester Hudson in, in his... Uh, in his uh, uh, soul-winning book, uh, Lessons, he used the analogy about how that uh, there was a store like Safeway, put an ad in the paper, and they said, free T-bone steaks on from 8 o'clock to noon on such and such a day. Come one, come all, they're free. And so 8 o'clock comes, and the people that had heard it and they believed that ad, they received the free steaks and they went home. Some people said, well, I don't eat meat, and they go away, and you know, they never even show up. There's some others that don't believe it. They say, well, it's just an ad to get us in, so we'll buy more, buy more stuff in their store, or they'll say, well, we're sold out already or something. But the truth, the bottom line is, is that those free steaks were available to every, everybody. They just had to make the choice to believe and come and receive that free gift. So this matter about the Christian calling, what's it all about? <clears throat> well, I'm not sure. There's many facets to it that I'm, that I'm not privy to. But I know this. It says in John 1, 9, Jesus said, he said he was the light of the world that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And so one of the, one of the pictures we get here is that every, every individual in this world, God gives a little bit of spiritual awareness or knowledge or, or a little bit of spiritual salt on their tongue that they would react to it. God gives revelation through nature. In Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. 
night and day, this revelation is held before uh, all mankind. It says there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. I mean, it doesn't make any difference whether you're in China or America or uh, in an aborigine in Australia or wherever, they have the, the cognitive ability to understand um, that reality. And some of those things are very awesome. You know, the northern lights, absolutely awesome to see and view them. Uh, I lived and worked in the Wrangell Mountains. They're just awesome to, to look upon them and then to be able to walk through them, some of the valleys and some of the Beyond some of the mountaintops, I've been in places. That, uh, there was years ago. There was a, a, a big article in the National Geographic about Wrangell Saint Elias Park, and I can say I've worked in the park places. They're so remote, you never, <laughs> you can't get there, except for helicopters and stuff. But I can, I can say, well, man, I I panned gold right by that old guy's cabin, right over there. Just a beautiful the Chitty Stone cab. Ca uh, Canyon there is a microcosm of the Grand Canyon and the stratigraphic layering through it. Just awesome to see that. I think about a couple years ago when I was in the Nilchik preaching for Brother Ron, and uh, it was in September, maybe towards the end of September, and it was a clear night. I was up early in the morning. I looked out, <coughs> and the moon was shining bright, and then there were Venus and Mars in conjunction with the moon. Mars, the red planet, uh, Venus, the, the bright morning star, it's the it's it's brightest uh, celestial figure uh, outside the moon. You ever see it, it it's, a, it's beautiful. And you look at that and it, you know, it's humbling, it's just awesome to see that. And for anybody that knows any astronomy, you, you know that this is something special. Heavens declare the glory of God. God's glory is, is in himself something that's, that's beyond our human uh, comprehension. Yet God gives us pictures all through his creation. And the more we, st we study, the, that's why I like the, the creation comments that we put in the, I don't put, <laughs> that, uh, that Amy puts in there. It points to the beauty of God and the in intricacy of God's creation. But you know, in a lot of our cities, even today, it's uh, th that revelation of nature is, is being cowed and it's, it's non-existent because of all the city lights and stuff like that. During the Renaissance, Renaissance during the Industrial Revolution in England, the English, English manufacturers, they were using the steam engine, James Watt, they got the steam engines going and they started making these machines so they could, uh, they could have manufacturing factories all over the country. And they had all coal burning. They also had, England had lots of coal, Cornwall and even right off of London. And so they mined the coal and they fed the, they fed the steam engines and, and the, the city was just covered with, with smoke uh, constantly. They brought people in from the countryside that had been drinking fresh water and had clean air and, and be able to view the things of God. They brought them in with the lure of money. 
They put them in those uh, horrid working conditions. They had kids six, seven, eight years old working 12, 16 hours a day for a few pennies. Uh, they put them in these rat holes to live in. They, in, they invented gin, alcohol, so that they made it cheap so that they could placate the people and get their labor and, uh, for nothing, virtually. But this is what Charles Dickens, in his book, Oliver Twist, I don't know if you've ever read it, but it was a beautiful book. He called them the darkened satanic mills. Why? Because it, he, was, he was speaking about a truth. It took away the revelation of God in nature so that the people were just left hopeless and helpless. God also speaks to every person's conscience. In Romans 2.14, it says, From when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, God's word, these having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts to meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Well, what he's saying is that even the people out in that have never heard the gospel, they have a conscience that God has been working on. It says that they'll either accuse or else excuse one another by the, by the mindset that they have about what's right and wrong. And God says when it lines up with what, with what we have, well, then there's blessing for that. And so God gives revelation in that way. And he, that's often called general revelation, but then special revelation. We can know all about God through nature and so on, but that, to get to know him as your Savior, you need this book. As we heard, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There's, there's no back doors to heaven. There's only one way. It's God's way or no way. And I'll tell you what. <clears throat> as Pastor Humphrey said, that God's wrath is over every individual, every lost person, and it's real. God's wrath is his, is his God acting out his anger and his justice upon sin. Acts 17, verse 30, he knows very surely says, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but thou commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And he's had a lot of good teaching on God's commands. I think it'd be good, I think it'd be good if maybe every individual will get a little dose of military discipline to understand when you have a commander, you have someone up that, that chain of command over you, it is not optional to obey them when you get an order. In essence, you have, it's all the way down the line to have the authority of the commander-in-chief. And if you don't, it's the guardhouse. When I was in Vietnam, I took a, there was a GI that uh, murdered one of his buddies, and they, they detailed me to take him to Long Bin Jail. Maximum security facility, Long Bin, Vietnam. 
one of the scariest places I've ever been in my life. And I'll tell you what, there was no way any of those guys that were inside there uh, ever got out on their own. They never escaped. When, they, when I left my unit, they gave me a receipt for that guy's life, and if they told, they said, they, they said if, if, uh, you, if you lose him, you're going to take his place. They gave me a 45 caliber automatic, and they, and they <coughs> let me know that, and I told that guy, I said, if you run, I'm going to shoot you dead, because I'm not going to take your place. And I've been rightful to do it. But I want you to know and understand something. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Rejecting of the law before God, there's no excuse. As Pastor Humphrey was bringing, there, the, the way to hell is as broad as the, as the Nile River or the Amazon River. But the way to heaven is a narrow way, but it's the right way and the only way. It's a, there's a very truth that God is willing that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance, but some will perish. John 3.16, some will perish if they make the choice to not believe on Christ as their Savior. <clears throat> First Thessalonians 2.10-12, it says, You are witnesses in God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe as ye know how we exhorted and comfort and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, mark this now, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. <clears throat> now, if God is speaking to you even this moment in time, don't hold back from him, but receive him. All he wants to do is, is to hear from you, to give up your sin, and put your faith and trust in his son. And this matter of preservation that we have in Jesus, well, <clears throat> that's the doctrine of eternal security, which we as Baptists have been holding to ever because of exactly what the Bible teaches. And the God that saved us why would he think that we could lose our salvation or be able to keep it ourselves? <laughs> it's, uh, it's ridiculous. But we do. And there's a whole bunch of people out in the world right now that are trying to work their way right with God to get to heaven. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, regarding this matter of our eternal security, it says, In whom also, in whom he also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. It's God that secures our salvation and it's God that preserves our salvation. If it wasn't so, uh, we wouldn't have any, <coughs> any such hope. 
It says in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27, the eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. What greater picture could you have, you know, that God is ever there for when we fall or we slip, God is there to bear us up. Okay, we better keep going here. We'll look at sanctification through the Son next. If you have your Bible again, you could turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Very interesting that oftentimes uh, <clears throat> this topic is brought up at the beginning of these letters and these uh, parts of the Bible. I think it's because it's a, it's a foundational truth that God wants presented <clears throat> for us to know and to understand. <clears throat> Corinthians... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Paul wrote unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Paul speaks to this church at Corinth, and he calls them saints, though they didn't much look like what a saintly church should be. We know that they were guilty of fornication in their midst that hadn't been judged. We know that they had profaned the Lord's Supper to the point that some were sick and some had even died. Yet God calls them sanctified. They had a position and a standing in Christ that's not conditional upon our obedience, yet... Our obedience to God and his word is what God desires. <clears throat> and Pastor, I believe he read from, from uh, Hebrews chapter 6, where it talks about that, that, that believers, <clears throat> that, are, that are a child of God, he's, God is going to chasten, he's going to rebuke or scourge his children because he wants to put us into a position where he can bless us. God always punishes disobedience, but he always blesses obedience. That's the thing that you can, can hold and hang, hang on to. <clears throat> and for the individual uh, that doesn't evidence some remorse for, or that doesn't receive God's chastening, it says that you're as illegitimate, not a true son. So, but, so in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. And that's something that we need to know and not ever forget. It's obvious, though, that those in the church at Corinth weren't doing a very good job of practicing practical sanctification. They weren't dealing with the sin in their lives. And I tend to think that this verse was a wake-up call to that church and that their pastor may have hammered hard on it after he read it to that body and he used it in the first sermon. It's also possible it was a wake-up call to lost people who were members of that congregation and they were getting a, getting a, a, a as they were called in question of what they had put their faith and trust in for salvation. And again, in my life, in believers' lives, I see the need to be ever diligent 
in working in this area of my life, in our life, because uh, Satan never gives up. The world and the flesh and the devil are our enemies. Uh, we're always in this flesh. The world, we can deal with some of the matters of the world. Satan has his way sometimes in our life. He's, uh, he goes at, at that, as that roaring lion seeking who may devour. That's why it's of importance that we as believers have on that whole armor of God so we'll be able to fight back. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And we know that when Jesus was tempted in the desert, in the wilderness, three times, Satan came to him before uh, the, the Holy Spirit came and, and, uh, and Satan left him off and the Holy Spirit came to minister to him. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, you see the, the put on, the put off principle. I know you know very well, but it says in Ephesians 4, 21, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, the old ways you lived, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. <clears throat> And be ye renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which is after God created in righteousness and true holiness. Those are both volitional acts that we need to remember we're responsible to do. To shun the things of the world, to put on the things of Christ, to emulate what we know and live of the things that are written in his word, to make him a part of our life, and existence, we can be light and salt to the world. If we're going to be faithful witnesses, we need to look like something different than what the world has to offer. That's our responsibility before the Lord. Paul also reminds them of the source of their salvation, how that they received and how they received it. Acts 2.21, it says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There was one little point there that I missed. There's a difference in that, in that, in being called and, and uh, the call of the Lord. There's one aspect of that where, where we're called uh, to worship, that God would, he works sometimes to draw us to a position where we can hear and know and obey the things of God. And we need to remember, too, that for the lost people around us, they need to be reminded that the day of the Lord is coming. Uh, last week, I used that, I think was, I, that's when I used that PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And we looked at how that during the time of the tribulation, half of the world's people are going to be killed in, in just two of the plagues that are coming upon the earth. There are people that are getting interested in that. Even the man uh, that uh, um, Nick uh, 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 Mullet, he was he had even heard when I mentioned some of that to him. He said, "You know, I need to find out some more about that." Well, the world knows about has some inklings about what's coming because the the birth pangs are already started in the world. The things that are going on, the unsettled things going on in the Ukraine, 
the, the pandemic, the uncertainty, uh, economic failures are going to become more and more endemic as time goes on. But we need not uh, dwell there because our day, uh, that day of the Lord, we will escape because of the believers will be taken out of this world. I love the book of uh, Joel very, very much. <clears throat> many, many pictures in the book of Joel or you can, you can take right into the book of Revelation. Joel 2.32, it says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. That's good Bible from the New Testament. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be delivered, as the Lord hath said, and the remnant whom the Lord shall call. I always took that to mean, you know, that, they're, that the elect are those that God has has seen their need through foreknowledge, and he's made a way possible for them to become, to hear the gospel and to be saved. But I believe there's also the lost, the saved elect, but there's also the lost elect too. It says, in whom the remnant, whom the Lord shall call. So there's some, maybe even here, that God is calling, and you are of the elect, but you need to make the choice. You're still lost. And dead in your trespasses and sin, you may need to make that choice to believe on Jesus as your Savior. <clears throat> God calls everyone to salvation, but he doesn't force anybody to bend the knee in this life. In the next life, the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so when those when those stiff-necked ones that, that blaspheme uh, God and they deny his existence, all these uh, pseudo-scientific people, Carl Sagan and his pride, and others of, of those, uh, Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin had his time before God where he had to say, I, am, I was wrong, God. I'm here justly because I didn't trust in you. I didn't follow the revelation that you gave to me through my life. Okay, so let's look at quickly the last aspect, sanctification through the Holy Spirit. That's from our text now. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. In just a few strokes of his pen, Peter paints the grand picture of our salvation as orchestrated from start to finish by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the mystery of the Trinity and the marvel of salvation. Elect by the Father, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and sprinkled with the blood of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. All members of the Trinity work to bring about our salvation and provide a threefold assurance to believers. This section speaks of the foreknowledge of the Father, that he saw our need from even eternity past, in a way possible that we could hear the gospel and be saved. Sanctification of the Spirit, where the Holy Spirit removes us from the 
power of sin and the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ the Son. The Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. The Father foreknowing, the Son atoning, the Spirit applying, the Son's work in sanctifying. God the Father elects the sinner to salvation. In Ephesians 1 verse 4 it says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Part of what that is about being part of the adoption <clears throat> is the spiritual birth. That when, when we're, the Bible as it says, we're, that, that we're dead in our trespasses and sin, we're separated because of our sin from God, but when we're born into God's family through this supernatural birth, this spiritual birth, we who are not naturally born sons of God, we are declared to be sons of God because we believed on the Son of God. And the Father grants us and adopts us into his spiritual family. God the Spirit brings us, or the believer, to an act of faith. Second Thessalonians 2.13, it says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through what? Through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This book is something you can trust from cover to cover is the absolute truth. It's as pure and as perfect as its author, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, all had elements in the giving and the preservation of this book. God, the Son, cleanses us from sin, Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And so, remember the, what you have, what's available. If, you have a, if you're a saved person, remember what you have and what in Christ. And for the lost person, remember what's available. It's just a moment away. Just a choice away to give up your sin before God, to confess it and receive the gift of everlasting life. Let's for a moment consider the greatness of our God and what he has done for us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been active in every element of our salvation. Consider the precious thought that he personally knew and called every one of us who would be born into this world and seeing our sinfulness nonetheless. He saw every one of Jim Gert's sin before I ever was born. And he said, I'll still die for you. That wicked sinner. Nevertheless, he loved us and he made the way possible for us to become blood-washed saints. 
The gift of our salvation was given and also preserved by God. And this one final verse, 2 Corinthians 7, 1, it says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness and flesh and spirit of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's the uh, challenge for you and me that are saved. To give ourselves over to the working of the Holy Spirit and to be a to be work in partner with God as He seeks to, to change us, to conform us to the image of His Son. That we can be all that we could be for the Lord. It's a lifelong endeavor. There's gonna be sometimes I feel in my life it's like there was an old song in the sixties, you know, two steps forward and one step back. But the thing that we need to do is keep going forward for the Lord and he'll bring blessing. And if you haven't made the choice, the, the message has gone out today and again. Uh, why would you hold back anything? Why would you, what is it about your sin and your life that is so precious that you're willing to die and go to hell for it? If you can tell me that, honest. Okay, well, again, for anybody, that, if you have any questions about the matter of salvation, come and see me, come and see Pastor Humphrey, come and see somebody and talk about, get it right, get it done, get it done. Uh, nobody knows for sure they have tomorrow. Don't gamble. The one thing about eventually you're going to lose.